good morning and welcome to Sunday School at Second Baptist. I'm glad you could be with me today. We're going to continue on in our study of Philippians. And this week we're in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to do the first nine verses. And um, that's all that we're going to do this week because <clears throat> next lesson picks up with verse 10 and goes from there. So last week... Um, Paul was talking about the enemies of the cross and we discussed about the Judaizers um, who were active, had become active in the area of the Philippians at least and maybe in other areas as well. And then he talked to them about pressing on uh, with the, you know, with their faith and talked about how our citizenship is in heaven and that was kind of the last thing that he talked about last last lesson that our citizenship and we talked about if we had a passport for heaven it would say that we were citizens of that place if we think about that more often then it might make us uh, behave differently because we do behave as citizens of America and we try to do a lot of things to protect America <clears throat> or to, um, you know, to love America. And if we would consider that we're also citizens of heaven, maybe it would cause us to take our responsibilities more seriously towards the kingdom of God. So let's go ahead and get started in um, chapter 4. And I'm going to read just verse 1. It's what they start off with. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. So he's again as he did in other chapter, other preceding chapters in this book. He was talking about standing firm, having the mind of Christ, uh, having joy. And now he, he says, uh, therefore, or in your book it says, so then. So it's a similar thing. Uh, therefore, and because of all these things that I've said, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown. So he, he's speaking with them affectionately, as he has done in previous chapters, <clears throat> showing them that, you know, they are his joy and crown because he, he did feel so much joy in the way that they had turned out and the type of church they had and the type of fellowship that they had and the way that they were following Jesus. He felt it was like a crown to him, um, you know, because he had been able to work with them at the beginning and help them to get started. And then he says, in this way, stand firm in the Lord. <clears throat> so, again, uh, 
key is just giving them encouragement. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry. my When I got in here, my allergies really flared up. I don't know what that means. Okay. Verses 2 and 3 now. Let's go to that. I urge Euodia and I urge Sintiki to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companionship... No, I'm sorry. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these people who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement and also with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So here he's making a personal reference to two people who apparently had a had had a disagreement with each other, Euodia and Sintiki. And he says, I urge them to live in harmony in the Lord. Now we don't we don't have any idea what the disagreement was, except that it must have been a sharp enough disagreement that it had word of it had gotten back to Paul that hey, these these two, you know, have fallen out with each other or are having a disagreement over a certain issue. And perhaps he has covered the issue in what we've studied, and we, but he doesn't pointedly say this is the issue, this is the reason that they've fallen out. And then he, he speaks to a sort of a third party. He says, indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women. Now, uh, so we know that Euodia and Sintiki are women from that. And he's referring to this person in your lesson book. It says true partner or true companion. So perhaps that was the person that he was going to send this letter to first. You know, I mean, when he sent it, obviously he would have had to say, deliver this into the hand of so-and-so. And so... Um, then that person would have shared it around to the whole church. And so perhaps that is the person that he is calling true companion uh, when he says, please help these women. Uh, because they have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So... These women must have been there from the beginning or soon afterward and had um, worked in starting the church. And of course, anytime someone in the church has a disagreement with another person, it's not good because it causes um, an effect, you know, among those who touch them within the body of Christ. But if they were instrumental in helping to begin this work and then they fall out with each other and, you know, when you fall out, <laughs> I say fall out, you know, when you become angry or upset or disagree with someone, then you can sometimes say things or have attitudes or actions that, reflect your disagreement with that person and you know you can begin to ignore them or say bad things about them 
or other things, you know, it's it becomes um, a temptation to follow your uh, what's in your head for that person into actions toward that person or about that person. And so then that begins to reflect badly on the church because you have that disagreement going on. Outsiders looking in, as they see a disagreement, then they think, well, you know, the church is just like me also, and there's no difference. Why should I go there or why should I be interested? So it can cause, it can become a stumbling block to others. And so he says, you know, they worked together with, with everybody else. Whose names are in the book of life? And the book of life, you know, is referred to in a number of places in the Bible. Uh, one of the first places is in the book of Daniel, where Daniel referred to the book of life, where names are written. And uh, it was referred to in a number of other places, and Jesus referred to it. It's referred to in the Revelation when the book is opened and the names are read. And so, you know, it's uh, when I was a little girl, that was very daunting, you know, to think and be sure that your name was written, you know, in the book of life. And I mean, for all of us, that that's, that is the most important thing really, is that we managed to get our name in that book uh, by following Jesus. And so, you know, we sometimes don't think about the book of life. We don't sit around every day thinking about it. But yet, at the same time, that's how we got our citizenship in heaven, isn't it? Uh, because that is the list of the citizens of heaven is the book of life. Okay, let's go on then to the next um, verse, verse 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, Rejoice. I'm going to go on to verse 5. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. <clears throat> or another translation of that is the Lord is at hand. And so, apparently, you know, maybe there had been some negative things that had come out of this broken relationship between these two women. And unhappiness and a lack of joy between each other and so he's just encouraging everyone rejoice in the Lord always and again I say I will say rejoice so you know of course there's the song that goes along with that um, that we've got in modern times but when you think about the word always or at all times rejoice in the Lord it it can be helpful even in difficult times to say okay this is a difficult time this is the, as bad as it can get or it seems like it it feels like it at the time but there there has to be something that we can rejoice in even in the midst of this circumstance uh, what can we rejoice in the Lord? Um, and a lot of times if you begin to look at that, it takes your eyes off the problem and it helps you to realize that it not only could it be a lot worse than it is, because things can always be worse, but also 
uh, it reminds you that we depend on God and, and we rejoice in Him because He does so many things automatically that we don't even think about. Our next breath comes from Him. And then it says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. So, again, apparently there was something lacking in the spirit between these two. Now let's go on to verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now this is a very famous section of um, Philippians. And let's break it down just a little bit. Because it, it gives us guidelines for the way to live a, a victorious Christian life. Is, is what it does and uh, throughout the book but it, but this part particularly um, when he said in the previous verse the Lord is near you know at that time Jesus had gone to heaven and the spirit had come and for them they did not know when Jesus would return and so to them it probably felt like it could be, you know, in a couple of weeks or uh, a year or whatever. I mean, you know, it could be soon, any day, uh, Jesus could return. And, of course, as time has gone on, you know, it's hard to keep that um, sense of urgency that the Lord is near. But I think in, in these days and times, I've heard a lot of people talk about uh, perhaps the Lord is coming soon, you know, because of different events that have happened and things like that. And maybe our sense of urgency has returned a little bit right now. But it's, you know, when people are comfortable and everything's going great, it's hard to have that sense of urgency of the Lord is near. And then, uh, th then these other things that he says here are a good guideline for us. Be anxious for nothing. You know, we shouldn't sit around and worry and worry and worry about an issue. We shouldn't be anxious. And, you know, there's so many people nowadays that, and I don't, I don't um, mean to criticize this at all, but there are so many people these days that I see on television, particularly talking about taking anxiety medicine and, oh, there's so many commercials. Well, here's a good medicine for your anxiety, you know, and things like that. When I, you know, I, I feel that if we could have revival in our country and people could become closer to the Lord in their daily existence and their daily walk, there would be less anxiety in their lives. They would begin to take this verse to heart. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So the thing that you're anxious about, you should give it over to God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So asking God 
about that thing or asking God for that thing or to help with that need, but at the same time being thankful. So with thanksgiving, uh, being thankful for what God already has done and just to sit and recognize what God has done is uplifting when we can focus our minds on what has he done and if we were in a class now and we were all together then I would say let's name some things that God has done you know in our lives and it's good even to get a pen and paper and write those things down things we are thankful for because it does help us to focus um, and then it's, it says the peace of God which passes all comprehensions or, or in the King James I think it says all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus now we talk sometimes about the peace of God and particularly when uh, someone has a family member that passes away that's when I think of it and I pray for them that they will have the peace that passes understanding because when you're in the midst of a, a thing like that like a bereavement particularly if it was sudden or bad uh, you, unexpected or whatever then to say I'm gonna have peace in my heart right now it seems impossible and so but knowing knowing Jesus and being a Christian if we turn that over to God we can experience that peace in the midst of the storm or peace that passes understanding it you can't even understand how you can be peaceful at that time but you are so God you know wraps us and and it says here the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds so that peace of God surrounds you and guards your heart and guards your mind at that time when you feel that everything is out of control and you know I, I think if we pray that uh, prayer asking that God will send his peace that passes understanding to a person in whatever crisis that they are in <clears throat> I think that's really important because it says the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds so in other words your heart and your mind in that moment doesn't know what to do and you don't know um, how you're going to get out of that situation or what the answer is going to be and you become like a helpless child in a way and then the peace of God steps in and guards your heart and mind and that, that we can't understate how important that is um, because we have all had times if we've lived long enough we've had some times when we felt despair or an extreme anxiety we were in a situation we did not know how we were going to get out of that <clears throat> we didn't know what the end result was going to be but it seemed like all the possible end results were not good 
And so that's what I'm thinking of when I talk about the peace of God that passes understanding because it doesn't make sense that it could be that way, but it can. Okay, now let's finish up with verses 8 and 9. That's going to be the end of what we cover today. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Okay, now, I'm going to stop there, and then I'll read verse 9 in a minute. <clears throat> so, he's giving them now um, examples of what you should focus on, I guess you might say. Where, where previously, he's saying, don't focus on your problem at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Give it over to God. But then, if you're not going to think about that, what should you think about? Here's, here are some examples that would be good. Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, <clears throat> and there's another interpretation for that, which says lovable and gracious. So, <clears throat> you know, that's sort of the meaning of that. Whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So dwell on these instead of dwelling on the problem at hand. And, you know, Paul is speaking from experience of having been shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead, and other things in his life <clears throat> of trying to serve Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. And yet he can say, you know, this is the way I've gotten through it, is I try to dwell on these things. I try to focus my mind on these things. And then let's, let's read verse 9. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So again, you know, he's as he did in the lesson last week, he's sort of saying, take this example from me but at the same time you know we're giving him grace to be able to say that because he's trying to help them to understand how to live the Christian life and of course we already have these words to read and understand so they back in those days the Philippians did not have these words yet and Paul was just now giving them to, to them so you know we have to take it that way um and another thing that I just wanted to, to say then is speaking about the peace of God in working with um, people of other religions that have followed a different way. That is one thing that they hope to have by the religion that they've chosen to follow is the peace of God. And peace in a person's life is very important. And when you come across a person like that, that you have a chance to talk to, you may find that they, 
that's the very thing they lack in their lives is peace. They don't have the peace of God because the peace of God comes with knowing Jesus. And when the Spirit lives in our hearts, then we can have the peace of God in our lives. And so that's an important discussion to have with a person like that. Even, let's say, not even um, a person from another country, but a person from America who is not saved. Uh, this is going to be a, a good discussion to have with them about the peace that can come in knowing Jesus. <clears throat> and, you know, we have that peace, and we should not take it for granted. But we should share that with other people and help them to know that, hey, this is the way uh, to have peace. And if you remember um, the story in um, Luke chapter 10, where it talks about the person of peace, and it says it's talking about the disciples going out and they finding the person of peace, and they enter the house and they say, peace, peace on this house, and if that peace returns to you, you know. And so, again, it's talking about the peace of God where a person is at peace with God because they have found the, the right way. So that's something for us to look for this week. If you, if you don't have peace in your life, then here are some ways to work on it. If you're a believer, follow this prescription for peace. And if, if you know someone who's not a believer and they're having turmoil in their life, then this is, a, this is important to share with them. So thank you for being with me this week. And we'll begin next week on verse 10 and go uh, to the end of the chapter. So, I mean, I'm sorry, to the end of Philippians is what we're going to do next week. So just read on through the rest of the book, uh, those 10 or 12 verses there, and I'll see you next time.